The Kern Institute Podcast Network. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Medical Education Matters. I'm Michael Brown. We're starting off this podcast with some sad news to share. We're dedicating this episode to Emilios Elenis, our colleague Herodotus Elenis's father, who recently passed away. We never had the pleasure of meeting Emilios. He grew up and lived his life on the island of Cyprus. But we've been moved by the words of his granddaughter that Herodotus shared with us. And I'll quote her here. She's writing about her grandfather. He had the rare ability to make people around him feel valued and adored. He understood the value of joy and laughter and shared this gift generously with us all. So given that we're here podcasting to share these similar traits of joy uh, and laughter with you all, it felt especially fitting to offer this episode in tribute to Emilios, especially at this time of thanks and giving here in the United States. Our thoughts are with the Elenis family and everyone who loved Emilios. There's no easy way to go from this tribute to our fun conversation today. Uh, so we're going to embrace Emilios's joy and humor and move right along into our fun conversation that we dedicate today to his memory. I'm Michael Brown. I'm joined by my colleagues, Anita Bublik Anderson. Greetings. And Jeff Amundsen. Hello. It's Thanksgiving here in the United States, and we're going to play a silly little game. We are going to fill up our teaching cornucopia. We have six categories. We're going to take turns drafting something that we want from these teaching categories in order to fill our teaching cornucopia and make the best possible class that we can that we think everyone would want to sign up for it's silly it's fun we hope we have a good time at it so our categories which i'm going to review and then we will get into our draft everyone will be drafting items from these categories number one subject what are you teaching number two instructional style how are you going to teach the material Number three and number four, food and beverage that you are bringing to class to serve to your students. Number five, the classroom and learning environment. How will your teaching space be organized? And number six, every student's favorite assessment of learning. How are you going to see if the students have learned what you're teaching them? So from those six categories, we have a draft order. Everyone has a spot to pick one, two, or three for each of our rounds. Anita, Jeff, are you ready to get started? I think so. This is my first time doing this, so it's 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 going to be interesting. I'm game. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> Jeff, you have the first pick in subject matter. I want to know, what are you teaching? Well, I picked a broad category initially when thinking about this, so I'm going with teaching anatomy. I will now narrow it down to teaching about the oral cavity. What appeals to you about that, Jeff? Why is that what you picked? Because it was the next thing in the anatomy lab that we have to teach about. <laughs> and I was dissecting today uh, a pro section for the students. So I guess that jumps right. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, I, so again, being new to this, then, okay. So, yeah, that's what I'd be teaching about because we have to do it next. And that is out. No one else. Anita, I know you were about to pick exactly that, but it's off the table now. No one else okay. can pick that as a topic. No problem. Okay, Anita, you are yeah. up. 
your pick. What are you teaching? What am, what am I teaching? Yes. What subject are you teaching? It's yeah, I'm teaching, I'm teaching improv. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're in a med school, Anita. Yes. Why do students need to know improv? Because you have to, this is a communication skill and um, it's, it's, it, it takes years of training for the people that we see on sketch comedy, SNL, Second City to really do this well. You have to be very attentive to your partner, your group. You have to read the room. You have to think on your feet and you have to um, be able to be creative and not lock in your um, ideas too soon. Mm. It keeps you open. So, and I think for future doctors, that's like what we do all the time in cl in patient care. Have you taken an improv class before? Yes. Actually, Alan Aldo was, uh, it was at the Alan Aldo Center in New York and uh, we got oh, to wow. meet him. It was great. Alan Aldo is fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So what's the difference between improv and free, well, freestyle? Is that know. like, because I, yeah, I like I like to I'm a, I like lyrics, and sometimes I'll just try on some lyrics here and there and throw them out there. Is that is that improv? I I think they're related. What was that show? Oh. Whose line is it anyway? They always had to yeah. make up songs. Seems oh like right, right, right. Yeah, I love that. That was a great that's, show. That's fantastic, Anita. I think that's an awesome, awesome idea. Is that part of your art thing with the campus, it or is this? Well, I wanted it to be. Actually, we did. We did used to offer medical um, medical improv, and um, there's a like a training center for this in all places, Chicago. Um, but COVID, and then and they kind of they huh. offer classes like once a year, and I can never really find the like an opening that you know where I can actually go do it. And now we have a new curriculum, so yeah. yeah. Love yeah, it. that's an awesome idea. Super duper cool. Okay, third pick is me. What am I teaching? This was a struggle. You know, my background's in English and communication. I thought, what can I bring that's going to be of value to a med school? And then I thought of one that also relates to interprofessional education. I'm going to teach group communication and team dynamics. This is something mm -hmm. I taught a lot, a variety of, of places. One of my favorite subjects to teach because it relates so directly to our own lives. It's so easy for students to connect to it. And I thought there are so many things that are valuable for how we get along and how we approach things as teams, whether it's decision making, whether it's uh, sharing of information and the ways in which we value certain types of information and discount other types of information. I thought this would be a good one. I'm going to I'm going to bring this in to my teaching cornucopia, something in my wheelhouse that's also valuable uh, to medical students. You know, my mind jumps right away to practical wisdom mm. when you say like making group decisions, because the word that comes up first is deliberation. And that's often associated with practical wisdom. So when you've taught this, have, have, have you focused on the process deliberation at all? It, it's always a component, you know, like a, a single lecture that we would cover, you know, probably mm -hmm. connecting to a chapter in a textbook or something. So I've taught this at the undergraduate level, mm -hmm. um, but it's cool to make those types of connections and help to bring this into more of the philosophical realm. Yeah, it's interesting. All right. Our next category is instructional style. So this is how are you going to teach the material? How are you going to deliver it? Um, you know, for example, maybe you want a correspondence course. 
bring back old school correspondence courses. I don't think anyone's going to take that. Uh, I just had the third pick, which means uh, I get the first pick this round. And I am looking at the two of you and thinking, do I want to steal something that I think one of you might take to try to upset your cornucopia? <laughs> now, I, I think I'm going to take something, though, that I think is going to be less popular. But I'll tell you why I pick it. I'm going to take straight up lecture. Now, that's not a popular answer these days. I don't think people it's are not. like, sit and hear <laughs> no. a lecture. Come no. on. It's very well, depends old on the person. School, depends on the person. It yeah. is very old school. That's I loved lectures. When I was an undergrad, that's why I loved going into the big lecture hall. I'd like to sit in the you know second or third row, really up close to take my notes, listen carefully. I didn't mind raising my hand and asking a question in front of 400 other students. That was a way that I learned really well. And so many of my favorite instructors were wonderful lecturers. And that was something that I modeled for myself that I wanted to get good at. Uh, and so I know it's not a popular choice, but that's what I want to pick. I want to teach team dynamics, group communication in a lecture format. That's my pick. Okay. That's rather interesting. Interesting choice. Given, you know, that you would think small group would be a very appropriate activity for building team or discussing team concepts like that. Um but you're right, Michael, there are, I mean, if you look at the literature on lecture versus, let's say, a more active learning environment, there's plenty of evidence to support that lecture can indeed have as much of an effect if the person giving it has the charisma and the skill set, the capacity to to present it in such a way that it's, it's so engaging that indeed it's effective. Perhaps a bit hubristic of me to uh, assume that I'm that case, but I do, <laughs> I do my best to well, deliver you have a, confidence, a good lecture. You know? Courage right. and, and bravery and all that stuff. Yes. Jeff, you have the number two pick. How are you teaching anatomy? I don't know how many options there really are here. Well, uh, yeah, you know, there's, well, it, you, know, you could take the socialistic view, which is to say that simply providing a stimulus is going to produce a response that's going to produce learning and that's then tested at a time where they can recall the response and make the appropriate answer. Um, so I, I could, I could start with that. I might potentially save my other one for later then. Um, but in a way it's you know, the idea of constructivism. I'll throw it out there right now <laughs> um, is much similar. In fact, I would argue, I would throw this out there to both of you. I've wrestled with the idea of show me something that isn't associative in nature. Hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so like when we talk about <laughs> learning and, you know, and, and, and then uh, we, we think about how we make associations in our environment, at least that's one way I conceptualize it. So I try to think of, when I think of learning theories um, or pedagogical theories, the, the two are different um, that in a way we're still just emphasizing what goes with this. And I thinking like what theory out there, what instance would not be something like that? Like right now, right? Where we're, you're associating my voice with the laughter, the tone and all that. And, and Michael's voice and Anita's voice. So we're going to make this association that these three people go together. And that's what, so that's, does that make sense, Anita? What I'm kind of getting at, like mm -hmm. the world's made up of all these associations and I'm trying to think of a situation where associationistic theory wouldn't actually just, be the one catch-all but of course a theory that can catch all catches nothing for teaching anatomy 
<laughs> yeah, how are you teaching this, Jeff? Answer the question. <laughs> well, okay. First, the background is important, right? Because to the question, some people might not might not yeah. grasp where I'm coming from. But the point is, is that what you're simply doing is you're saying, hey, look, here's this. Look at this. What do you see? What do you think it is? That's the response, right? What do you think it is? So in this case, when we're looking at the oral cavity, right, um, you know, it may, you're looking at the mandible. When to start out with to get to get through that and then get into the cavity and that jawbone right is the stimulus and you're thinking about it is the response and so when you make the correct identification oh that's the mandible that's my response you make that association through the process of simple just seeing and reacting and that sticks. And that's a lot of our learning, actually. That's implicit learning. It's not necessarily explicit. Um, now, that would be suggesting that I simply go into an anatomy lab and say, here you go. <laughs> See you in an hour or two. Um, no, right? I, there's there's also the component of, of someone standing there saying, yep, there's a reinforcer. You got that right. So now we can start talking about, you know, instrumental conditioning or pebble or Skinnerian conditioning where we're saying i did this i thought about it i got something to happen which was the professor saying good job you identified the part properly so those are the basic elemental processes of learning that i kind of try to bring into almost any situation but that would be what i would do for anatomy all right nice anita third mm. pick how are you teaching improv Oh yeah. It's like a hands-on lab. Like we're all yeah. involved. It's in, it's in, everybody's standing up and participating. Admitted Anita. Uh, you wanted to say lecture, but I took it from you, right? You did. Uh, this was my <laughs> second choice. <laughs> all right. Are we ready? Third category, which relates to the fourth. You got to think of a good pairing here, food mm -hmm. and then beverage. Anita, I'm a little jealous. You get first pick. What food are you bringing to serve to these improvers? Oh, uh, chips and guac. Yes. With tequila. <laughs> <laughs> because right. why not? Is that your beverage? Are you taking beverage? I don't think you have the oh. first pick for beverage. You're stealing it. Don't worry. Whoops. Tequila was not uh, was not my first choice. <laughs> I'm glad you broke the barrier because I was wondering with that scratching my head with that question too. Like, could I bring alcohol? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, now, <laughs> you know, as, as a parent of two small children, I'm very aware that corn chips can be a choking hazard. Those little crumbs that break off are very sharp. They get caught in the throat. They're not so good. Are you concerned with all the laughing with the improv that the chips could be a dangerous food to serve? No, not at all. Is this a th throw caution to the wind? Let's I'm throwing, yes, out because there? they all just had oral anatomy with Jeff. So they're going to know exactly what to do. Perfect. How to use that mandible. Uh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. What if you didn't have a mandible? How are you going to eat your chips and guac? Wow. Wow. I don't know. Do you well, cover that, Jeff, as part of yeah. uh, this, this part of anatomy lab? I don't know. Hey, Doc, is there a disorder in which that uh, – which that happens a developmental yeah i'm sure there is i'm sure there's some dysplastic something or another that can happen okay well, we've got to cover it yeah well well i'll look that up before then what, next week then what are you gonna do yeah what are you gonna do okay well mine yeah. also requires a mandible um with my second pick here for food 
I, I wasn't sure where to go. I'm bringing peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. It's a delicious, satisfying treat. May take some students back to warm, fuzzy memories of childhood, which I think will engage their curiosity, their learning spirit. And it's Okay. also great. A little bit of sugar and a little bit of protein. You can't go wrong. Huh. Well, let's see. That's, now that's classic. That is classic. Pa Pavlovian slash Skinnerian Yeah. learning principles being applied right there. Give the old food. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta ring a bell first. oh, possibly. Um, there's some research suggesting <laughs> when people are eating while hearing a message, they're more they're more uh, oh, yeah. open to the message being presented. Hmm. Huh. Huh. There you go. So, so at your next uh, meeting, Anita, that's what you want. Make sure you bring food, and uh, <laughs> there'll be more open to the suggestion. Okay. Noted. <laughs> so I'm I'm picking food in my hair. Is that Yeah, what I'm on? your choice So, for food, Jeff. oh well, I'm I'm gonna be honest here. I I I am not a bringer of food to class. Uh, and I thought about that today, and I was like, well, because I typically don't have classes that run for more than an hour. But nonetheless. Um, uh, if I was to bring a food, <laughs> uh, I was probably going to bring gummy bears. hmm. I like gummy bears. They're not too hard on the teeth, sticking with this oral cavity theme. Yeah. Um, I'd be they concerned don't. about cross contamination. <laughs> okay. Like something, how do you eat a gummy bear without using your hands? You're asking a lot of interesting questions, Anita, today. Because Like, these if are. you're working with your hands in anatomy lab, you're Oh, that's you're gonna, right. See, you know, I forgot it was an anatomy lab. you're gonna Yes. have to like set them up, like line up all the little gummy Oh, this bears, is easy. This is easy. and then This you just. like have to do a bobbing for gummy bears here. I just. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be Yeah, fun. <laughs> way. Or, or I could have a sterile pair of forceps. Or a Yeah, sterile forceps pair. are great. Or Forceps. chopsticks is what I was thinking. It doesn't really That fit would with be the lab, challenging. but... Um... Uh, they'd have to be metal. They couldn't be wood because it's right. Okay. But Oh, yeah, that, yeah. but I do like the bobbing idea. Do do gummy do gummy bears float? I don't know. This is an experiment <laughs> that may ha needs to happen. what are what are the liquids in anatomy lab that they might be floating in? Oh, uh, now okay. Next Some question. kind of formaldehyde or something. <laughs> Yeah. I don't. <laughs> I do, okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right, Go Jeff. on. The the students are bobbing for gummy bears here, and you have Oh. to pick now for Oh drink. no. The what they're drinking. I don't think it's some kind of sterilizing chemical. I hope. Um, Oh, uh, I I uh, uh, Perrier. oh yeah, Perrier. Yes, yeah, some sparkling Yeah, water. Perrier. Oh, thank you. and gummy Yeah. bears. Wow. I like it. Yeah. I. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Why not? I mean, I, Sounds I phenomenal. good And seltzers. I used to, okay, so like when I used to go to the Rocky Horror Picture Show way back when for the midnight Yep. showing at the Oriental Theater in Milwaukee, I would get a Diet Coke and um, Milk Duds. And the sugar and the the carbonation <laughs> really created some vocalizations, let's just say. That's good. Makes you, Got to be ready makes to it participate. all very, you know, bubbly. What is your favorite part of audience participation while watching the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Oh, the time warp dance. Okay, okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a classic. So, Anita, uh, are you Yeah. sticking with your I'm pick sticking of tequila? with tequila. Yeah, Okay, chips I am. and guac and tequila. Yeah, it's social lubricant, you know. Yeah. Well, that leaves one very obvious beverage left for me to choose. And frankly... 
while the students are sitting there listening to a lecture about team dynamics and munching on their PB&Js, they might need this. I'm picking coffee. No surprise there. Coffee. Ah, yeah. I was, coffee. I was, I'm really glad you said that. And it wasn't like warm milk or something. Cause you put them all to sleep. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with beer. PB and J's and beer. Uh, could be good. I don't, I don't know how well that would pair with PB and J's, but the coffee mm. pairs delightfully. That's what I eat every morning for breakfast. Peanut butter, jelly on toast with a cup of coffee. Wow. Okay. Burnt toast and jam is so good. And it's a good music group too. A good name huh. for a hypothetical music group, or no, no, burnt toast group. and jam is legit. There's a bunch of oh, yeah, nice. check out, yeah, yeah, they're they're out of Shano. Yep, I wish we had a seventh category. What musical group are you bringing in to perform for your uh, class? You could, you could choose that. Uh, there you go. There oh, you go. I know exactly who I would have. Who would like, you pick? Live music. Yeah. Uh, Greta Von Fleet. Ooh, do not mm-hmm. know her. Or yeah, they're like they're like this century's answer to Led Zeppelin. Oh wow! So it like definitely get everybody loosened up. It would light things good, up for sure. That's a good for choice. Sure. That's a good choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw uh, Robert Plant and Jimmy Page in concert up in Minneapolis. Oh, cool. Dang. Yeah. When yeah. was that? Oh, jeez. Eight nineties. Uh, oh, jeez. Okay. Yeah. Ah, oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, he might be touring again with Allison Krauss. I don't know what their schedule is. Didn't oh, they release fun. another album together like a year or two ago? Cool. Yeah. So the next time category of uh, music, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That would be fun. We'll do it. We'll do it next time. Okay, let's move on. I just had the third pick. So now we're getting down to, we're, we're moving away from our food and beverage. Our next category, classroom slash learning environment. So this is how is the teaching space organized? How do you want people sitting or standing or, or doing whatever? Now, this is a tricky one because I said lecture. So you might think like, well, a lecture hall would be the ideal way. But I will say within lecture, you know, there are opportunities to incorporate dynamic learning where people can, you know, pair with someone else, talk about something and then share it out to the broader class. So I'm going to go with a more of a uh, small, small table setup. People can sit at their small tables. They have their own space at the table, but they also have their other partners at the table. And I'm hoping that that will allow for some more opportunities for interactions between people, as well as creating an environment where people are now naturally in little teams or groups. And maybe I can use that setup to help facilitate some of the things that my lecture style doesn't have. Um, So I don't know, what do you want to call that kind of classroom setup? Like, uh, group blended. tables or something like that blend yeah. a blended classroom Active something like that learning maybe so they're good so they have a variety of tables to go to is that what i just heard yeah i think so yeah that and maybe like so, Mon- some chairs or desks too it's kind of flexible that sounds like montessori oh yeah maria maria montessori right yeah uh, except the, Mon- the, the montessori schools where students go from station to station uh, and it's it, it yeah. is implement even in the K in the common traditional K twelve system here in the United States is, is that I mean having stations is a, is a common practice too. But I'm not sure if that came from Montessori, but it's not very much like Maria Montessori method. Yeah, I I think that'll be more fun, and I think it helps me as an instructor too. As when I'm lecturing, I do like to move around, and if I if there's a stage, I can of course walk on the stage and whatnot. But in this case, it allowed me to move around the classroom more come closer to students as they're sharing ideas. I think that'll be fun or keep me on my toes, uh, both figuratively and literally. All right, let's see who has the second pick it, back to you, Jeff. Second pick 
again, anatomy lab, I don't know. Is there a crazy way that you could set up the environment or are we talking pretty standard anatomy lab for your classroom setup? Pretty standard anatomy lab. We do have computer mo uh, monitors um, and we do have whiteboards. Uh, so that might be modernized standardization. Uh, not certain they had those back in the day, so to speak. But um, so, yeah, you know, like I said, it's an environment in, in which students are coming in. They're being exposed to, uh, you know, the, the, the anatomy structures. Uh, through the process of dissections, like I said, the process of making associations, right? I, I, I see the stimulus, I respond, I do, and I do something to the environment. So we can talk about that as like stimulus response, as I mentioned, just to emphasize this, because that's honest, obviously what's happening a lot. They're, they're really constructing their own experience in a lot of ways. And that, that would be the other, I think, way of describing the learning environment through the theory of constructivism, where, you know, you're, you're, you're not quite certain what to look for right it's just a list here find you know find the mandible we'll stick with that one and it's like okay I, I know i have one of those i can feel it on my own face but i've never actually seen one hmm. so when you start dissecting you start to construct um through the process of just open exploration really and so that's an environment where there's things on the whiteboard to give them clinical relevance for what they're doing as well. So, okay, I'm looking for this part. What is it to good to know kind of thing on the wall. And then there's even pro sections where we have uh, professionally done uh, dissections of various uh, components of the, of the labs that they'll be doing so that they can see and compare theirs to, to what, uh, what the pro section is like that. So they can, and they can use it as a teaching resource as well too. So mm. it's a very active, very, um, exploratory discovery kind of based learning environment where hopefully through the exploration process, they're, you know, they're making these associations. So I want to ask a question about the whiteboards that are available there first. And I want to ask Anita, you and Jeff, are you a whiteboard person or a blackboard person? Which do you prefer? Whiteboards, like with the dry erase markers? Yeah. What's or a black? Oh, the blackboard. The traditional a blackboard. Chalkboard. Yeah. Chalk. Gotcha. Yeah. Chalkboard. Chalk. So this is how far we've gone from chalkboards or like a yeah, blackboard. Yeah, it's been what is so that? long since I've even seen a blackboard, like so long. Yeah, I thought you were talking about new technology. Now there is, have oh. you seen those, uh, I don't know smart, exactly what they're boards? called. Well, well, there are the smart boards, which to me is, it's it's like, it's just an electronic whiteboard. But yeah. um, have you seen them, the mirror ones where they're like, you can be, it's, it's, it looks like a, just a piece of glass. But wow. when I write on one side, it reverses it so you can see on the other. So, so you don't have to, so like when you're doing zoom, oh. right. You can, oh. you can, you can be on camera. You don't have to have your back turned. You can face the audience and be writing, but they can see what you're writing. Oh, that's it reverses cool. it. This is our board. Sorry. got off my yeah. tangent there. I just, I just love a chalkboard. I like everything about it. Um, not a big fan of the markers. I like being up there with chalk. Yeah. I just, every it's more tactile. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Every time I have to throw away one of those markers too. It's mm. like eh, yeah. ouch. You know, but I do appreciate the dust issues for those who have asthma and stuff. Very true. Chalk. It's yeah. messy. Chalkboards are messy. And then there's that weird noise that you can get cool. to. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That weird... I had a uh, professor of English history, British history, 
who was a furious chalkboard writer. And at the end of every lecture, he would be covered in chalk dust. When he got there. <laughs> and he had this kind of wild hair and the chalk in that's his awesome. hair. It was incredible. That's awesome. But the, yeah, those images we don't really have anymore. That's that's. I had a professor who got so excited about the topic, he'd like salivate and foam at the corner of his mouth. <laughs> right? just, yeah, he was just he was so into it. He could and he would laugh. He'd he'd laugh about his awesome. subject. It was how cool. excited yeah. he was. Yeah. 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 Very nice. Okay. So that's uh, standard anatomy lab mixed with some new technology. Uh that is your pick, Jeff. Anita, you have the third pick. Yep classroom learning environment. How is your teaching space organized for improv? Yeah. So it's um, a room with chairs in a circle. That's it. In the middle of the circle. Is that the performance space? Yeah. And you can like m maneuver as well, like mm -hmm. break open the circle and have people in like smaller groups or double up, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. it, it makes me think of seminars, which are often taught in exactly that same way. Everyone in a circle. Um mm -hmm to sort of de-emphasize the role of professor as yep. singular expert and instead encourage everyone to contribute. It's very experiential. And then you can like open up the space. Or do a little bit of theater in the round, maybe. Or that, yeah. <laughs> Always fun. Always fun. Um, okay, I'm making sure that I've got our picks down here because we're almost to the end here. We're actually at the last category <sighs> here. And oh. Anita, you have the first pick. Oh, we've taught our class. Yes, we've done so much. And now we want to do some assessment of learning. You might say, what kind of test will you give? But that's that's only one yeah. sort of way to think about this. Talk to us about how you are assessing right. improv. This is how I'm going to assess it, because it's going to be like, whose line is it anyway? It's going to be audience vote. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. cool. I love that peer evaluation. Yeah, exactly. That's great. <laughs> Now, have either of you used peer evaluation as part of uh, grading mm. before? No. Well, yeah. no, that's not true. Yeah. The journal club. Yeah. Mm. Yep. 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 We do do that. Um, yep. When I was in graduate school teaching cognition, was that cognition lab? Might have been all the labs, but we the writing process involved uh, peer review. Okay. So... I've done it for public speaking. That's a pretty common way. You know, you'll have a peer review your speech and give you feedback. And then that's part of the grade. The place that it's made me most uncomfortable to use it in is exactly the subject that I chose for this is this kind of group communication piece, because they'd always have a group project that they'd work on through the whole semester. And then they would grade each other. And I would get those at the end of the semester and be like, I don't know what to do with these. <laughs> Because I have insider information about what things are like and what the student's experience is. And you'd have a student who's like, I feel like I'm never given an opportunity to contribute. And you talk about some strategies and then you get the peer reviews at the end of the semester and everyone's saying, this person didn't contribute anything. It's like, oh, golly, yes. this is this is almost more trouble than it's worth to have these peer feedbacks and try to incorporate them into some kind of final grade. It is tough. It is tough. But I like it here for improv. I think it it fits with the spirit uh, of what's happening. So, so do you, Anita? Would you mix that with your observations and combine the two to have a final assessment? The assessment it would be like participation and perfect. Um, yeah. So more of a formative process than uh, yeah. You're not yeah. getting out the laugh meter 
to see how, how loud it's getting. Great idea. I like that. Are you gonna have, like, whose line is it anyways? Do you have the buzzer? Like, do you have buzzer? Oh, boy. It's been a while since I've watched that. Did they use what that? What percent of our audience has ever even heard of this show? Whose line is it anyway? <laughs> I know there's also that. Uh, Apologies to our younger listeners who yes. are thinking, who, what is this? Google it. <laughs> Drew Carey once did something other than host The Price is Right. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just loved, like, they were, they all look like they were just having such a good time. How about the oh, gong show? So much fun. The gong oh, wow, show? There we go. Would, you, would you do the gong? Would you that gong brings them out? me back. But that would was you... more of like a performance thing, right? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You couldn't do that. But that's plus that's like that's that's punishment, right? Here we go back to good all the associative thinking, right? It's it's punishment, so we don't want to do that. (laughs) All right. Speaking of punishment from assessment, I'm really just sticking (laughs) to my guns here with what I'm doing here. The assessment tool that I'm going to use for learning is one of the best, meaning most informative, but also most hated test forms. Short answer. Short answer essay. You either know it or you don't know it. You don't get three pages to try to wiggle out your answer and dump all your knowledge down in the hopes that someone will know you don't actually know the answer to the question. You've got a small (laughs) space on a piece of paper and you can squeeze a couple sentences in there. So you either know the answer or you don't. And then I'm going to use a great curve. The highest score curved up to 100%. And then everyone else gets the same rise. So that usually pulls up the scores to a pretty normal distribution when you do short answer. Um, But it's always unpopular. People leave, at least the short answer tests I've administered, they leave feeling like they did a bad job. Because there are so many things where it's like, I don't, I don't know what the answer is to that question. I do not remember. But I, nothing has given me a better sense of what students know to assess them, but also that formative feedback. What did I teach well? What did I not teach well? Mm-hmm. Then asking the questions directly and, and using that answers. So that's what I'm going to go with. And that's more timely too. That's, I think that's, I think, you know, when we talk about assessment, I think one thing we glance over and here I go again with good old reinforcement theory, but you know, when we, when we want to reward somebody, recognize somebody for good effort, feedback is that, and the immediacy matters. Mm. a lot like if you delay the reward the ability to associate what i did with that outcome is less than to say hey let's talk about this right now so good on you that's a good idea you can do it two questions at the end of class or you know five questions at the end of the week whatever it's easier to administer like that it also takes almost no time to write a short answer test you know you're not coming up with five uh, you know, possibilities for a multiple choice test or other things like that. What do I want you to know? Here's the three questions. Let me just ask you directly. So it has some advantages, despite Indeed. I think it being less popular. Indeed. Indeed. Jeff. So we're on assessment. Assessment. Okay. You're the I think last I'm, pick. I think I'm gonna I think I can I can top you, Michael. I'm okay. going with the oral. Assessment. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Oral. Or the mandible, the oral cavity. Yeah, it fits very well. Yeah, I, but you know, thank you. you. Yeah, that does work out. I wasn't even trying. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, yeah, really, no fun in town. Holy cow. Uh, anyhow, yeah, well, ultimately, that is the test, right? Whether you're talking to somebody about what you have learned or whether it's um, in front of your attending, <laughs> 
when they when you get asked that's the test right and there's no notes to rely on per se there's uh there's another uh, word for that what what is it pimping why do we why do we call it that um boy i don't know i don't know why it's called that but it's sort of like it's considered kind of shaming because they tend to just keep asking more and more complicated questions until you don't mm. answer it. And then you're shamed. Oh, oh yeah. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> I'm definitely instead talking about like when we're in the anatomy lab. So I'll walk up to the student and um, to all students listening, if you're using Netter, by the way, it's in the back of every chapter of Netter's anatomy lab book. Um, but it states the structure it states the origin of the structure, the where the structure uh, innervates, uh, the blood supply, the nerve supply, and then its function. So I might walk up to a student as they're working on that, you know, in the oral cavity, and ask about a particular muscle and say, "Okay, what? Where does it start? Where does it go to? How is it fed?" both neurologically and, and vascular, vasculatorily. Mm -hmm. And, uh, what action does it take, you know, and show me. So yeah, there's an oral test for you that, uh, it just, you know, it's what actually has to happen. I can't sit down with them per se and give them a short answer right in the middle of dissection. Cause here we are back to stuff that's can't be touched. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, you know, that's, and then, and then I encourage them to do that with each other too. So kind of back to your example, Michael, of everybody kind of bouncing ideas off of each other and stuff mm. like that. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, almost like a one room school room kind of yeah. thing. If you think if anybody can, here's another back in the days, there was only one room in the school, Prairie schools, <laughs> everybody out there listening. You're right. The older ones in the class help the teacher by teaching the younger ones in the class. And so I, uh, I've actually set up my groups that way too. So that people who have anatomy experience going in aren't all in one group. They're dispersed across so that mm. when we get to these opportunities to teach each other and have our little oral exams, we can, we can rely on one another. That's smart. Nice. Yeah. Very considerate. That's like a very considerate, intentional, move to like diversify your small groups well, yeah, well yeah, the heterogeneity of groups versus the homogeneity matters for sure i'm definitely going to give a lecture on exactly that topic <laughs> beautiful that would be part of team dynamics would it not <laughs> uh, all right it's time to review our choices are you ready yeah okay jeff okay. i'm going to start with you all you right. are teaching anatomy and specifically a unit on the oral cavity you want to use associative learning, seeing and reacting, exploring, uh, conditioning, things like that is kind of yeah. your instructional style, helping students to make those connections. Keeping students energized and engaged during your class, you will be serving them gummy bears and sparkling water. Very interesting. <laughs> Pretty standard lab setup for you. You do have some more advanced technology and other ways to share information with computer monitors around and whiteboards. And then to test students' understanding and assess their learning, you will be using the oral exam. And it sounds like almost a group format for the oral exam where everyone can hear and uh, and wow. kind of share in those answers. Okay, that's your class. That's your cornucopia hey. of teaching. Thank you. That, that turned out all right. <laughs> all right, Anita, are you ready to hear yours? I'm ready. I'm, I just feel like making another reference to an old show that no one will know. You know, this is your life, uh, Anita. No, this is your <laughs> class. Uh, yeah, you're awesome. teaching improv. 
you know, communication skill training, but with focus on improv. It's a hands-on lab. Everyone's standing up, moving around, mixing with each other, keeping the students energized. There's chips and guac and maybe uh, energizing them more or maybe tiring them out a little bit. There's tequila to go along with it. Classroom is pretty basic, a circle of chairs that can also transform into different settings depending on what's happening. And then at the end of the day, assessing that learning, there are some performances and an audience vote on participation and uh, I assume, you know, truth to improv principles and how well people live those. The subject matter alone, it's just a blast. I think everyone's signing up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am. I'm all, I'm in. <laughs> and then for me, maybe maybe a little less exciting. Uh, just a little, maybe. Because <laughs> you went with lecture. He wants I know, I know. shock. He wants to be showered in shock. Dust. That's what I want. But we're talking. We're talking team dynamics, group communication, key things mm. for for everyone to learn using a, a lecture format. Although, as I will note in a sec, there are some ways to break out of that. It's not just me talking. We're serving peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for a little protein, a little sugar, and some good warm fuzzy memories. And we're drinking some coffee to stay awake. We've got a table set up where students are clustered at tables. It's not a lecture hall, even though it's a lecture format. And then to assess them, we've got a written exam where it's all short answer questions. All right. Are we all signing up for improv? What are we signing up for? we got to ask our listeners, I think. Yeah, to see what they I think that's a good take. question. Yes, that's an awesome question. Good question. All right. So listeners, my email address, find it in the show notes. Email us. What class do you want to take? and why um and we'll we'll share your answers in a future episode if you want i think we've got three good classes though i think you know as we're building out a curriculum these are three things (laughs) that that need to be a part of it we need to have these classes (laughs) so perfect we are building a curriculum now awesome this is a good i did not know there was an ulterior motive here michael didn't this just happen didn't they just do this for oh, like, that's true. Didn't this take like three years to put together? Yeah, oh, the MCW us. Fusion curriculum has uh, given a lot of thought to all of these questions. Well, maybe not yep. food and beverage. I don't know if they had a food and beverage committee. No food and beverage. Oh, and I have no. to say, like, I would vote against the peanut butter and jelly because I've never liked peanut butter and jelly. Oh, what? Never. Wow. never. Do you what? like a peanut sauce? You know, like in, in oh, Thai cuisine? I like satay. I like peanut butter. I just, and I like jelly, but I just don't like them together. I don't like them together. Why? I don't like them together. <laughs> it's something. Did you have a don't. bad experience? Bad association. Don't like it. It's like, yeah, yeah, bad association. I'm a purist. It's like, I like my peanut butter on toast. So it's a little melty. Mm, yeah. The, ja- the jelly has yeah. got to be a, a different experience because it's huh. so sweet. Okay. So, 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 do you like cringe at those jars on the star shelves that have the peanut butter <laughs> yeah, and jelly? Yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, no. that is gross, and that's because the it only is. peanut butter worth buying is the mix your own peanut butter. Yeah, that's what I buy the crunchy. I want to, I want to stir that oil back in and keep it in the refrigerator. Yep, <laughs> tastes so much better. It's just peanuts and a little bit of salt. That's all you need. Yes, it is. It's very good, and you get some exercise. Oh, that's true. It can really be a good forearm workout. <laughs> it actually is. Yes. So. All right. I think we're going to leave it there. Okay. I'm perfect. Michael Brown on behalf of Jeff Amundsen and Anita Bublik Anderson. Thank you all for listening. Our thoughts are with Herodotus Ellenus, our colleague yeah. and his family um, as they, uh, they deal with the death of Herodotus's father. Um, so we're thinking of you all. We hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Feel free to email us what class you want to take. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah.